I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Hey, you guys, and welcome back to the news du jour. So quick housekeeping before we get into the news. I wanted to let you guys know that the week between Christmas and New Year's, I'm going to be taking off um, this year. And the reason is because um, due to the way that the days all fall, I'm not getting any additional time off for Christmas. My family is going to be traveling during that week. So it would really be a short week anyway. I'd only be doing three days. So because I'm not taking any time for Christmas itself, I'm going to go ahead and take off those three days. And then of course, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day are days that I would take off anyway. So Wanted to give you guys that heads up. I will be actually in New Orleans with my family doing a very cool family trip where um, we're going to kind of see New Orleans through the eyes of my stepmom who grew up there and then also be sort of revisiting some past ancestors that we just recently found out about there. So it's going to be a journey to the past and I'm really, really excited to um, explore New Orleans in a different way. I've been there a ton of times for Mardi Gras, but this will be a totally different experience and I'm really excited. So definitely follow along on the Sugar Free Media Instagram account if you want to see behind the scenes of our trip. Now, without further ado, I'm going to jump in because we actually do have a ton of news for you guys today. So first up, two major trials are wrapping up. So two major trials, that of Jelaine Maxwell and Elizabeth Holmes, have both moved to jury deliberations. We have no idea how long these jury deliberations will take, but with the holidays practically here, we may hear back from them sooner rather than later so that the jury can try to get home for the holidays. Let's go over where both cases stand and any bombshell occurrences that stand out from each trial. First up, Jelaine Maxwell. So with Jelaine Maxwell's trial, we have covered it before, but essentially one of the biggest components of this case is that it kind of felt rushed. It's wrapping up really quickly, despite being a very serious and high-profile trial. Another bombshell was that the pilot of Jeffrey Epstein's private plane testified under oath that both Donald Trump and Bill Clinton were passengers on the so-called Lolita Express. A number of other male celebrities were also named, but presidents are just held to a higher standard than that of a normal celebrity. Although the behavior described by these witnesses is truly never acceptable by anyone. 
If you're totally confused here and don't know who Jelaine is or who Jeffrey Epstein is, I highly recommend the Netflix documentary Filthy Rich. It chronicles Epstein's shady behavior and Maxwell's involvement in it as well. It's definitely worth a watch, but the two of them essentially ran a high profile ring, sex ring kind of. Um, And by high profile, I just mean for the elite. But during the trial, 24 different witnesses took the stand over the course of 10 days. Some women were as young as 14 years old when they were molested by Epstein and Maxwell as they attested to in court. It seemed that they targeted girls who were kind of down and out and just did not have the resources to fight back against them. And meanwhile, they enjoyed this life of true luxury while committing these horrific crimes on repeat for many years. Maxwell opted not to testify in court. It also came out that she may have been pregnant with Epstein's child at one point, which was something that had not come to light yet. Some other strange happenings were that Maxwell's lawyers blurted out the real names of some of the victims in court, which was very uncool and may have cost them legally. Another strange occurrence was that Maxwell wrote this essay about her relationship to Epstein, but she wrote it in the third person. Sometimes people write in third person so as to distance themselves from what they are writing about, but it's certainly just All seems strange all around. Now over to the Elizabeth Holmes trial. So the Elizabeth Holmes trial is also wrapping up. And this trial has been no less dramatic than the Jelaine Maxwell trial. In this one, Elizabeth Holmes herself did actually take the stand. Which, if you've ever watched any crime shows or have a legal background you know it's super uncommon for a defendant to take the stand. It's just an incredibly risky move. But I think in this case, the defense team felt that if anyone could sell the idea and validity of Theranos as a company, it would be Elizabeth, given that that's kind of what got her into this mess in the first place. So Elizabeth took the stand. We have discussed this too in a past episode, but the prosecution really tried not to be too harsh on her because they didn't want to push her too far to where she would appear sympathetic, crying, helpless. This would play into the defense's hand with the jury. But they were asking tough questions nonetheless, to which Elizabeth mostly answered that she did not remember or did not think she had said or done the things they were talking about. We also heard from very high profile witnesses in this case who testified that Elizabeth left them with a very false impression of what the Theranos devices could and could not do. The defense's argument has been an interesting one as well. I mean, it's kind of a combo of she was talking in the future tense when she was discussing what Theranos could do like in the future. And they combined that with that the idea that she was being controlled by Sonny Balwani, who was Elizabeth's COO, who she had a romantic relationship with. 
So it will be up to the jury to decide whether or not Elizabeth is accountable for deceiving her investors and causing some serious emotional and uh, physical harm to patients. We'll see what they say. Again, the juries are deliberating in both of these cases, and we do not know when we will hear back from them, but we will be sure to keep you guys posted. For our next story, Trump sues the New York Attorney General's office. So right when it seems that Letitia James, the New York Attorney General, might be readying her office to bring charges against Donald Trump personally, Donald Trump sues her office. He seems to kind of beat her to the punch, huh? Trump and his legal team are experts in avoiding charges and wasting precious legal time. And this may simply be one in a long list of examples of Trumpian attorneys giving someone the runaround. Or there may actually be something to these charges. Trump is arguing that Letitia James's office is essentially harassing him politically. This is obviously not the first time that we have heard him use this defense. The lawsuit was filed in federal court by both Mr. Trump and his real estate business. James is a high-profile Democrat. But experts are saying that it would be pretty difficult to prove that Letitia James's motivations were purely political, given that it's her job to prosecute crimes in the state of New York. But perhaps what the Trump organization is really trying to do is find out more about what she has on them by kind of poking the bear and requiring her to show proof of the wrongdoing that she's looking into giving them more time to mount their case against her and more information to work with. Or maybe he's just giving her the runaround, distracting her and deterring her. But James did put out a statement, however, saying that this lawsuit would not hinder her office's efforts in any way. Here's what she said, quote, The Trump Organization has continually sought to delay our investigation into its business dealings, and now Donald Trump and his namesake company have filed a lawsuit as an attempted collateral attack on that investigation. To be clear, neither Mr. Trump nor the Trump Organization get to dictate if and where they will answer for their actions. Our investigation will continue undeterred because no one is above the law, not even someone with the name Trump, end quote. Damn. So that statement definitely seems to be a very personal attack um, on the president and his attitudes and business dealings. We'll have to wait and see how all this plays out because Letitia James has yet to announce any official charges. But we are on the edge of our seat when it comes to this. And if and when she does announce some, you guys will be the first to know. Well, actually, our Patreon patrons will be the very first to know from us with a notification straight to their phone or email inbox as they prefer. Then it will be sure to be on the next day's news to shore. So if you want to get that information as soon as it's hot off the press, be sure to become a patron. It's just $7.99 a month. 
So for our last story today, real quick, Britain and the U.S. swoop in to help Ukraine bolster its cybersecurity and kind of build on their allyship in the process. With all the cyber attacks that the U.S. and Great Britain have been facing at the hands of Russian hackers, they've learned a lot about how these guys tend to operate online. And right now, it looks like Ukraine is a prime target for Russia's cyber games. And they're kind of like the smaller kid on the playground that the bully will beat up to get a reaction out of the other kids. So the U.S. and Britain are kind of looking to help Ukraine protect itself before an attack happens rather than helping to clean up the aftermath, if that makes sense. But Ukraine is not a stranger to these types of attacks. They've actually dealt with them in the past too. For example, Russia managed to shut out the lights in this large swath of Ukraine all the way back in 2015. So does the U.S. have the power to totally prevent an attack like this? Probably not, but it's likely nice for Ukraine to have the backing of two kind of big brother countries like the U.S. and Britain to stand up for them on the playground. And that is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote, you have so much more potential than you realize. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a patron of our podcast. For $7.99 a month, you can unlock tons of perks like breaking news text messages so that you're never out of the loop, tons of bonus episodes are already up there ready for you to binge, and a discussion board full of networking opportunities and much more. Go to www.patreon.com forward slash sugar-free media today to become a patron. This is the best way to support our show. Our patrons make news du jour possible. But a couple other ways to support our podcast are rate and review on whatever podcast platform you use to listen, share on your social media, you have influence, tell your friends, family, and colleagues that you love news du jour and why you listen. You can also follow us on social media under sugarfreemedia.co on Instagram, just sugarfreemedia, all one word on TikTok, and sugarfree underscore media on Twitter. We also have a weekend newsletter called Dreamers Digest that's full of dreamy content recommendations for your weekend and a life update from yours truly. Sign up today on our website, www.sugarfreemedia.co. Our music is by Joey Lavoy and Nicholas Foster. Our cover art is by Hannah Pierce Photography. Our Sugar Free Media logo is by Catherine Jezik Designs. Any twinkling or little footsteps you might hear in the background are by my dog, Rhett. He's a rescue pup and always records with me. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from Oh, oh.